Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 151. And today I am speaking with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hi. So nice to talk to you today. Same here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I don't think you're looking at snow like I am, right? Didn't you say you're on vacation right now? I'm a, yeah, I'm actually visiting my son in Florida, so yeah, it's wonderful here. Oh, that's nice. Well, thank you for setting the time aside on a Sunday to do this with me. My pleasure. Well, let's go ahead and get into your story today, Jeff. So why don't you tell me um, a little bit about your family of origin, and we'll take it from there. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm 55. I was born in November of 67 in uh, Indianapolis. And um, I grew up in a family of uh, four children. Um, As many of these stories go, I was the youngest of four. Mm -hmm. Um, My siblings were uh, respectively, eight, ten, and thirteen years older than me, so there was quite a gap. Turns out, I didn't look a lot like my father, and my siblings did. I looked a lot like my mother, though, and I was always the one who you know, who looked like mom. So, um, nuclear family. We were, you know, my parents were married uh, for fifty-six years. Um, when my father passed away in 2009. Um, at that time, you know, I had children of my own, of course. I was, my kids were, uh, my son had graduated high school already. So um, kind of give you the timeline there. I had kind of started my family relatively young. Um, so uh, very normal upbringing, very somewhat drama-free functional family lived in the same home my entire life went to the same schools you know a lot of stability uh, a lot of normalcy um and that's really i mean it's almost dull right <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's just the way my life was and um you know aside from the having siblings that were quite a bit older. So, you know, they were, and, and honestly, and those were different times, but both of my sisters married very young. I mean, my, one of my sisters had a, had a child in high school and dropped out, you know, at the age of like, I think she was 15. Okay. And then and my brother was old enough that, you know, he was, I mean, I was what, probably five years old when he was out of the house. So um, it was kind of like growing up as an only child. And um, I do clearly remember being a real pest to my older siblings uh, because, you know, I was, I was a little kid and 
there were no other little kids around to entertain me. So I was always trying to entertain them. And they didn't, I don't think they were very entertained most of the time, <laughs> especially when they had, uh, you know, potential suitors over to the house and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I had uh, family on both sides close by my, my, my dad's family, um, mostly hailed from Bloomington, Indiana, which is about an hour away from Indianapolis where Indiana university is located. And, um, my mother's family was all pretty close by there in Indianapolis. Um, so I was a little closer to my mom's family growing up. My, uh, my mom's mother had a big, part in raising me. I spent all, you know, both my parents worked and I spent a lot of time at their home growing up. I even rode the, rode the bus to and from school for many years. I remember my grandparents being the ones that took me to kindergarten and picked me up every day. And, um, I was very, very close with them. Um, my grandparents were, um, my grandpa was not my blood grandpa. It was a second marriage. I was very, very close with him. Um, they were retired already as, you know, as these things go at me being so young, um, my grandparents were already retired, um, on my dad's side, both of my grandparents were dead already. I mean, they had died before I was born. They both died in their early fifties. Um, they had, I believe there were a total of 14 children born into that family. So I think that <laughs> might've taken a toll on them. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think it was just some health issues genetically and they both passed pretty young. So um, I wasn't as close with my dad's side of the family. Uh, they were a little more spread out a little farther away. Uh, but we had a, we had a pretty extended family on my mom's side that we spent a lot of time with growing up and, you know, big Christmas gatherings and that sort of thing. So um, it was, you know, every family has drama. I feel like I was pretty far removed from any of that. And I, I think part of it's just because I was just so much younger and, um, than everybody. I, there was probably drama going on at times that I was completely clueless about, you know, because you're a kid. Right. So, um, there was no abuse. There was no, no, you know, uh, drug abuse or alcohol. I mean, my parents barely drank. Um, so it was about as, easy and normal as it could be. Um, so that's really um, off the top of my head. That's my childhood. Um, I mean, if you have more questions, you know, please no, I, <laughs> go ahead and ask it. No, I re well, you said at the very beginning uh, today, you said, well, I have a, I have a pretty happy ending to my story. So I can already, I'm already getting the picture of how your, your childhood is, was and, and it's nice. And thanks for sharing that. And you can just take it wherever you want to go from here, either how you found out you were an NPE or moments leading up to it. Sure. So um, let me I'll back up just a little bit. So I will say that growing up there, I had there was a suspicion that I had, um, an, uh, which I think is pretty natural when you have three siblings that are a lot older than you and you don't look like them. And, you know, siblings, 
as we all know, will say things like, oh, you're the milkman's baby. You know, you, you know, you and, you know, th- those are always the jokes. Right. And, and, and we all hear those jokes. And um, there was a time when I was I, f- I feel like I was probably about 10 years old and I was just looking through a junk drawer or something and ended up going through some files that my dad had in this desk in the basement. And I found my birth certificate. And, you know, when you're kids, you don't think about things like your birth certificate. You know, you care less about things like that. But you see it and you're like, oh, it's got my little footprints on there. Um, you know, and, and, and I, you know, the hospital that I was born in right across the top and, and all that information. And I see my mom and my dad's name on there. And um, that was sort of proof positive to me at that time that, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just like everybody else because my intuition was that I was adopted. I thought I must be adopted. Why why else would my parents have waited so long to have me and and you know and why am I just so different in so many ways? And I just I felt like, you know, maybe I'm adopted. So that was, you know, that put that to rest in my mind because that was a di- of course a different time. Uh, so many of us don't trust our government very much anymore, <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, th- at that time it was like, well, if that's a government document and it's got my name on it and my, my parents name on it, then that's gotta be the truth. So I never thought about it, honestly, ever again in my life, did I ever think that something was different about me to the extent that, you know, I had a different father or and or a different mother now i looked enough like my mom uh blue eyes fair skin uh certain facial features and things like that that you know that it was it was very clear that i was my mother's child and um and so that was always the story you know i was the one that looked like mom so there, but there was that, you know, there was always just a little bit of a, um, an intuition, an underlying sort of weird feeling that I was just different than my siblings. So fast forward, we'll go to um, the next question and how I found out. Early 2016. I took a trip out to visit my son when he was living in Oklahoma for a little bit. And with my, uh, my wife, um, her and I got married in 2015 and it was our first trip out to, to visit my son when he moved out there. And for whatever reason, my wife's always been very fascinated with DNA and, um, you know, family heritage and, and, and the origins of where you're from. And, we had this conversation and we started talking about, so the, the lore was on my, on my dad's side of the family, my, uh, my BCF birth certificate father, that there, that his grandmother was 50% Cherokee, but it was interesting. And I always thought native American heritage was an interesting thing. Um, so we started looking into it, um, and did a little, just a little bit of research shows that um, the Cherokee 
were the largest tribe in the United States, and they married outside of the tribe a lot. And there was a lot of things that went on there with trade and that sort of thing that, that created a situation where apparently the Cherokee um, line became very diluted um, from a DNA standpoint. Um, there's a lot of smaller tribes in the United States that are not like that, apparently. But the Cherokee, they, from what I've read, and correct me if you know more about this, but from what I've read, there's really no strong genetic markers for someone that's that has Cherokee blood because of that, because they got they were diluted so much early on. Um, so, but we, but it, you know, nevertheless, we were interested. So I was like, why don't you send in your DNA? Let's, you know, and so she bought me a kit because she was interested. She had already done it. She had set up an ancestry account. So this was when the decision was made and she went on Amazon, I believe, and ordered me a kit. So, you know, later that year, I got around to donating my saliva and sent it in. I was on Ancestry and had a lot of distant matches as many people do when they go on there, you know, third, fourth, fifth cousins, that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I wasn't like, I was more interested in the heritage and the genetic makeup, you know, the pie chart that shows where you're from. So I'm looking at that and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's neat. You know, I'm like basically, you know, almost split down the middle, like 50% English and 50% Irish. And I knew my last, my last name is, it's Taylor. It's an English name, very common English name. So I knew that my dad's side of the family was English and my mom's side of the family. My grandmother was a Hagen and that was a very, apparently pretty common Irish name. And so it all made sense to me. You know, basically I'm half and half, half English, half Irish. And there were some other little things there dispersed throughout. Um, but nothing that was just like profoundly, and of course, no Native American connection there. So I never really thought about it much at all any, any after that. There were no close matches. It didn't interest me as much as it does my wife. So life went on. So now we go to February of 2017. This is my first experience with understanding how DNA works. I was matched with a, cl a fairly close relative, um, most likely a first cousin. And my wife had been monitoring. It was her account. She had been monitoring the account. And she's like, oh, you know, there was some guy named Darren that was connected to you through Ancestry. And it uh, looked like he was from California. And I was like, Okay. And I honestly, I probably was just distracted at the time. Wasn't paying that much attention. Um, and she didn't really say anything else about it after that. And I'm like, it was, you know, nobody, I just didn't ring a bell. You know, we weren't talking that much about it and I wasn't that interested in it. So uh, a little time went by and I had, so I had an, my mother's older brother lived in Denver. And um, he was just, I believe, three years older than my mom. And um, 
I've been living in Denver for all of my life and most of his adult life. He had gotten out of high school, went in the Navy, and then ended up, he landed in Denver, and then he just never came back to Indiana. So being out there, he didn't have any other family besides uh, his family that he had started, his first wife and his two children. And then he got divorced and remarried in the early 70s. And I never really had much connection at all with his first wife and his two children because they were, of course, quite a bit older than me, like my siblings were. And I don't even remember his first wife. I mean, I may have even been around her once or twice when I was a small child. So, but I did know my Aunt Joyce, whom he had married in the early 70s, and they had resided in Denver the whole time. Um, So it turns out that um, that Darren, um, this this connection that I had reaches out to my cousin, Scott in Denver, um, who was my, my mom's older brother, my uncle Dale, his wife's son from her first marriage was my cousin, Scott. So he's not a blood relative. Okay. Um, so Scott and I were uh, almost the same age. We, we've been, um, connected for our whole lives, but had not spent a lot of time together because of the distance, uh, them living out there. And, and we just, we didn't visit much and they didn't visit much. So, but whenever I was with Scott, we always got along famously. I always enjoyed you know being with Scott. So, but it was interesting. I, I had reconnected sort of, you know, we, Scott was raising a family. I was raising a family. All these years had gone by. And in my early or late forties, I'd kind of reconnected with Scott a little bit because I started taking trips out to Colorado with my children to go skiing. And Scott had been uh, married for quite some time and gotten divorced just like I had. And um, we started talking and and communicating again and um, in sort of confiding in one another a little bit about some things. And, and he had gotten remarried and, He'd married a gal named Maria. Scott was not a social media guy. Um, actually, nobody in Colorado was at that part of the family. My, my uncle, my aunt, none of them were on any social media. Um, but Maria was. And she reaches out and she says, hey, do you know who this Darren guy is? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I got a message through Facebook that he says he's Scott's brother. And I'm like, well, okay, what I'm I'm confused. Well, how does how do I get involved in it? She said, Well, he says he's connected with you on Ancestry. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. So I tell my wife to call up the account and we go look at it. And sure enough, this guy's this Darren in California is connected to me through Ancestry. So I'm like, that's interesting. So what, what does this mean? Like how, I don't, I'm not quite grasping this. And she says, well, he says that, you know, he's connected to you. Um, he, he got your name. He figured out your name somehow, but I didn't have a lot of detail on there. And at the time, I believe we had a version of the account where you could only do so much communication on there. He, couldn't figure out how to reach out to me. 
And so he was searching for me on social media and couldn't find me because I have a super common name, Jeff Taylor. I mean, there's so many Jeff Taylors out there. And he wasn't sure where I lived. And he had done some research. And apparently he figured out that I lived in Indiana. And he kind of figured out what my name was. So he's like, I am connected with this guy. He lives in Indiana. And I think that and the, the way he found out about Scott was through a public record. Darren was adopted. Darren was born in, I believe, 1975 or six. And um, he was the son of my uncle Dale and my aunt Joyce. Uh, my uncle Dale had not divorced his first wife just yet. Was in the process apparently of a divorce. He met my aunt Joyce. She was recently divorced. She had already had Scott. They got pregnant. That produced Darren. Darren was put up for adoption at the time. Nobody in the family knew about this because there was no family close by. And they even played it off well to her coworkers and things um, that she had just, she had like an appendicitis attack or something and had been in the hospital. She was young and thin and was apparently able to hide the pregnancy fairly well. So really nobody except for my aunt and uncle knew of Darren's existence. Are you still there? Yes, that okay. is. I'm listening. I'm. I'm just kind okay. of like. I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I want to make sure. I'm sorry. sorry. I do. I'm listening. I are Dale and Joyce still married? Unfortunately, Dale died in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but they were married. Yes, up to that point. And they put their they put Darren up for adoption, even though they stayed married. Correct. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. At the time in Colorado, as you know, adoption laws have changed over the years in different states. And in Colorado, they had closed adoption. And there was very, very little information available to Darren. Okay. His whole life, he had a yearning to know who his biological parents were. He grew up much like me in a good, solid family. He was adopted by some really good people who apparently had some biological children of their own. Um, Darren had a, you know, he had a good life, but he still had that yearning to know who his biological family was. So at some point, Colorado changed laws and, and opened up some records and he found out the names of his biological parents. And he found out that he had a brother named Scott. So he was curious and, of course, went on Ancestry searching and went to all kinds of public records searching and searching. And my aunt and uncle were pretty locked down everywhere. I mean, you could not find information out there about these people very easily. Um, He was, you know, sort of under the assumption. I mean, he knew that he was born in Denver, but he grew up in Bakersfield, California. And he was, you know, sort of under the assumption maybe that his biological parents still lived in Denver. He, I don't know that he knew that they were married for sure. Well, I, yeah, he probably did know they were married. Uh, 
he, he may have found a public record somewhere that showed they were married because they weren't married. I don't, I don't think quite at the time when he was given up for adoption. He has now found the connection to his biological parents through me. I am now the only person in the world that he's ever contacted who he shares DNA with. Hmm. And I was sort of, it was profound for me. I was like, wow, like he found his family because I happened to put my DNA out there. And I was just, it struck me. And I was, I was, you know, emotional about it. And I was like, wow, I mean, this is just such a big deal for him. And I'm so happy for him. And so to back up a little bit, Maria was a little guarded about the whole situation. She was, she thought it was a hoax. She didn't know, you know, or anything about Darren and what kind of, what his character was like. And she's like, you know, this can't be, you know, like, well, it appears that yes, I am connected with this guy and what he's telling you is the truth. And so we opened up lines of communication with Darren uh, as soon as we could figure out exactly how to do that. And so I was excited and I called my mom and I'm like, mom, you're not going to believe this. You know, Scott has a brother and apparently Dale and Joyce gave this, gave him up for adoption. And my mom said, you know, there was some, there's been some talk about that possibility that something like that happened. And she goes, I don't remember what the origin of that was exactly, but there's been some talk that that's, that that could have possibly happened. And I was like, wow. Okay. Family secrets. Here we go. You know, like this is not anything I would have ever heard about, but obviously, you know, people keep secrets for a reason. So, so I'm like, well, I don't know how this is going to go, but Scott, is kind of excited about it and he's going to talk to his parents about it. So bear in mind at this point, my uncle Dale is in his eighties and he's of somewhat failing health. Um, Joyce is quite a bit younger than him. I think I want to say she was probably 15 years younger than him. So she's a little younger, a little more spry, a little healthier, but a little concerned about how Dale's going to take this just, you know, (laughs) at his age and with his health and everything. But, you know, obviously equally the two of them, you know, it's a secret that they had meant to keep and it's now out. So Scott, he go, he actually went to Las Vegas and met Darren uh, and his wife for the weekend, had a wonderful time with them. And then he said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to break this to my parents. I want to be able to kind of do this myself and everything. And then hopefully I can get you in contact with them. So the cat's out of the bag. So he just, you know, Scott's a, Scott's a really nice guy. Um, he, he's, he's a great guy, but he, he's very blunt and brash. You know, he's, he's actually very funny because of that. But, um, so he sat him down and he said, Hey, anything you'd like to tell me, you know, any <laughs> secrets from the past that you'd like to share? And they're like, no, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you know, cat's out of the bag. I have a brother and, um, and I've met him and, you know, and I'm, I'm excited about it. And how about we just get this all out in the open? 
while they vehemently denied it, they were mortified and they just, you know, they, it's a different generation, of course, but they just did not want to own up to it at first. So it took a little time and finally they came around and said, okay, this is what happened. But we never were supposed to ever hear from this child again. And that's just the way things were. And that's the way we wanted to, to stay. And at this point in our life, we did not want to open up this can of worms. And they, they were, and as one, as much as I love them and, you know, they were wonderful people. I, I, I can't grasp hundred percent what would make them want to keep that secret and not want to meet their son. But you know, that's, everyone's different, right? So I understand, but they, they were shocked and they were mortified and this was not supposed to happen. So over time, that their attitude changed about all that. And I'm happy to say that they, they have a relation, you know, they had a relationship with him up until the, the time that my, my uncle died. Um, he died in December of 2020. And I, think they believe I, that he had COVID, as I recall, um, before, you know, there was actually, I'm sorry, I think it was December of 2019, actually. It was, it was before they were calling it COVID. Um, and the symptoms were very similar to, you know, and of course he was an, an older frail man. So he passed away, but up until that point, so this was for a couple of years, they had developed a relationship. They had met Darren. They had been with him several times. They developed a relationship with him and he was thrilled and they were thrilled. And my aunt Joy still has a relationship with him. That's Darren. Okay. So that Darren was the, the icebreaker for me when it comes to DNA and understanding exactly how precise it is. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know why, um, I'm not a, a, a simpleton, but I just guess I just never really thought enough about how precise the science is, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it, that was profound for me. So so now, um, you know, and I felt good about it. So, you know, I in between all that time, I had been speaking with my mother and I'd gone to her house and I pulled out all these photo albums and I was snapping pictures with my phone and sending them to Darren. This was before he'd even met his parents yet. Here's a picture of your dad. Here's your grandpa. Here's me. Here's my mom. Here's, you know, all these people in the family. And here's, here's, here's where you come from. You know, here's a picture of your mom and your dad and your brother. Um, that, that was actually going on uh, before I, I'm regressing here a little bit, but that, that was going on before Scott had uh, actually met with Darren. So he had, I had, I was just, I'm kind of an open book and you can probably tell by the way I ramble. Um, you know, I, did, I, my wife says that I'm an oversharer and I'm guilty as charged, but I was so excited for him and I jumped right in and I just wanted to share all this information with him and show him these pictures of these people and that I had access to. And, and I was just so thrilled for him and, you know, and my mom was too. And when I look back at that, it's, it's so puzzling to me 
um, how she, you know, I mean, she talked to Darren on the phone. Um, you know, she was all in on this thing, it seemed to me. But she had this secret of her own that she was keeping so tightly. And, um, you know, that's, of course, all hindsight at this point, right? And it, that kind of blows me away. But moving on through the timeline of my discovery. So my mother passed away in June of 2018. She had um, been diagnosed the year before with uh, lymphoma. And um, it, I think it was a late diagnosis. She'd been having some symptoms for a while and they didn't know what it was. And finally figured that out. And, and it was pretty aggressive. And she went through, she was 84 years old. She went through a couple of chemotherapy treatments and did not respond well. And um, by, by June of, uh, 2018, she was in hospice care for about a week um, when she passed away um, peacefully at home. And, um, you know, it was the end of um, what I knew as a family at that point. Um, my, my dad had passed away, and now I'd lost my mother at the age of 50. And, um, I wasn't really prepared to feel orphaned, if that's a good word. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the age of 50, you just, you're all of a sudden, you don't have parents anymore. And you're like, this is a weird feeling. I don't, I, I didn't expect, you know, of course, I've got a family of my own. I've got grown children. And I didn't expect to feel such a loss. Uh, from the perspective of like, okay, now I'm on my own finally, <laughs> right? It's not really like that. I've been an adult for many years, but you know, now all of a sudden I, I'm orphaned. And uh, so, you know, it was tough um, going through that and then um, dealing with uh, my mother's estate. I was sort of elected to be the one to kind of take care of things because I work in the financial industry and have a lot of experience with those types of matters. So uh, of the four of us, they felt like I was best prepared to be able to kind of deal with um, kind of closing out her estate and everything, selling her home. And I had a lot going on at that point. Um, I, I was a couple of years into my, my marriage um, well, three years, I guess. At that point, we got married in May of, of 2015. Um, and my second wife um, had two younger children that we were still raising. And uh, they're now 19 and 20 years old. So almost um, uh, out of the house now. Um, I've been raising children. My, my, uh, my son is 33. So I hadn't really had a break from raising kids for a very, very long time. Um, but, um, and I, I definitely love all my children. So um, not, not trying to complain too hard there, but, <laughs> but um, so it's now August of 2018 and I get a new match on Ancestry. 
and it's close match. And my wife sees it and because she was, of course, the one monitoring the account. And she's like, hey, there's this person named Carla. Looks like a very close match. Do you have any idea who that is? And I'm like, no idea. That's weird. You know, but I'm like, what do you mean? Really close. Well, like a cousin or something. I'm like, okay, so my dad, meaning my birth certificate father, there were 12 siblings in that family, you know, including him. Uh, they had, there were 14 born, one died at birth and one died about a year old with, with uh, pneumonia. And, uh, but you know, with 12 siblings and a lot of brothers, like, well, you know, maybe one of my uncles, a lot of my uncles were in the military. Maybe one of them had fathered a child at some point, you know, somewhere. And, and somehow or another that becomes like a cousin. Right. And that would just made perfect sense to me that it was something along those lines. She goes, well, why don't you ask your siblings? And I'm like, they're not going to have any idea who that person is, honey. They have less interest in genealogy and all this stuff than I do. And I guarantee you, they, they have no idea who that is. So my wife sends her a message. And I just, I just, for reference here, I pulled up the message. It came on August, or she sent it on August 8th of 2018. And she said, you are, you are a close family match with my husband. Do you know how you are related? We can't view your family tree to view the match. And she responded the same day. Just a little while later, she said, Cindy, I'm not sure how we might be related. My family is from Iowa. Is your husband related to anyone in Iowa? She said, he has no idea. Um, what's weird is you are on the same level of match as his sister. So one of my siblings that I grew up with, my sister, Teresa, had submitted uh, her DNA to Ancestry. And we were a match on there. And I had never really, you know, paid much attention to see because I wasn't seeing my sister didn't really build a tree or anything. So I was just assuming that my dad's family, nobody else was on ancestry. And that's why I wasn't coming up with anybody on that side of the family, really. I mean, I didn't have a, a lot of these names, these distant relatives. You don't know which side they're from to begin with unless you really do research. So. She says, you know, you're you're about the same level. And my wife was starting to study up on this and understand like the centimorgans and the ranges and things and, and how closely you're related to people. We don't know how you're related. And she asked if, if we had if she had any of uh, some of the like my grandmother's name and my my uh, biological grandfather's name. Um, you know, in the family. And she's like, no, we don't have any of those names, but we do have, you know, some other names here. And she shared those. And she says, can you tell me where your husband was born? And she says he, he was born in November of 67 in Indianapolis. Both his parents were born and raised in Indiana as well. It would be fun to figure out fun <laughs> to figure out how you two are so closely related. His mother's maiden name is Wayman. She was, she's, she just passed away. She just passed away a little over a month ago at the age of 84. 
and she asked my sister if her last name was, you know, if that was her, the, the last name she had on there, was that her maiden name or was it a married maiden name? And that was it. That was the end of that conversation until four days later. And my sister, Carla, who lives in Kansas City, responded. She said, Cindy, I do have a strong suspicion about how we may be related. Unfortunately, this information may be hurtful to your husband, and my intent is not to cause harm to him. My father was an alcoholic known to cheat on my mother. My sister and I had heard that he may have fathered a son, but we had no more information than that. We moved around a lot, uh, quite a bit during our childhood. However, we were living in Indianapolis in 1967. And when my wife showed me this message, that was the point where my jaw dropped to the floor. When I saw we lived in Indianapolis in 1967 and they were from Iowa. And she said, we moved away about the time your husband was born. My father is no longer living and my mother has severe Alzheimer's. So I have no way to confirm any of my suspicions other than the DNA match. I have struggled whether to tell you this. I truly do not want to hurt your husband or family in any way. My sister and I felt ultimately you deserved information and the right to do it how you deem appropriate. Do with it as you deem appropriate. I am sorry for the loss of your mother-in-law. Again, this happened you know, just two months before. She, she said, I recognize that that's a, this is a terrible thing. So then my wife was like, hey, you know, here's my phone number. We really, you know, we really want to to know more. I was in shock, of course, at that point. Um, but then I started thinking back and thinking about some of those feelings that I told you about earlier about that I had when I was a kid. I was like, wow, you know, wow, this really, you know, the, the, this explains it. So. um we, we communicated more with Carla, and so it turns out um, Carla um, was one of three children. She was the youngest. There was Denise, who was her uh, the oldest of the three, and there was a son in the middle, and his name was Billy. And they pretty much mirrored the ages of my three older siblings. So my father, uh, William my biological father was married to their mother for 25 years. They divorced, I believe in 1987. So I would have been just right out of high school at that point. They had been married all that time. And um, as she stated, he was an alcoholic. He was a philanderer. He was a traveling salesman. Um, uh, you know, I found out a lot more information from her, but Essentially, what what had happened was my mother worked at a fertilizer company company in Indiana, Indianapolis, and her uh, uh, her our, our biological father William was some sort of farm chemical salesman. Okay, so you can see the connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, apparently, my parents had been separated for several months. And none of my siblings really had a strong recollection of this. 
I think maybe it was sold to them that, oh, you know, just for that, maybe they weren't separated because they were unhappy in their marriage, but there was just something going, something else going on. And uh, so my parent, my dad had apparently gotten an apartment somewhere in town and, and they were separated. And I think they were still seeing each other to some degree. Um, But my siblings, honestly, they just really had either buried it or just never really thought about it. And none of them have ever made any connection uh, as to, you know, my existence and the connection with that separation. Um, My dad, my birth certificate father had apparently had a vasectomy, which as most people know was pretty uncommon back in the sixties, but he didn't want to have any more children. So he had a vasectomy and everybody in the family pretty much knew apparently that he had had a vasectomy. And the story was because as we know now, my parents got back together and were married until my dad died. Um, That the vasectomy didn't, you know, it didn't quite take, it didn't work out. <laughs> and, uh, and I was the surprise. Um, and so that was always the story was, you know, that's why there's such a big separation. You were the, you were the surprise, the bonus baby or however you want to put it. And, um, and we love you just as much as your siblings. And that's just, that's just how it worked out. Um, my mom, apparently almost died after I was born um, due to hemorrhaging and um, had to have a complete hysterectomy. And so of course she wasn't going to have any more children after that. Um, So um, now I'm, now I'm 50. Right. And I find out that my dad wasn't my dad. So, um, you know, it turned my world upside down. You know, it took all that security of the, of the, uh, the very normal life that I had and the, you know, the status quo and, you know, almost a charmed life, you know, that I had. Um, and it just turned it all on its head. And I, I, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a grown man and I'm a pretty strong guy and, and I, I, I have feelings, but, I, but I'm pretty good at kind of controlling my emotions to some degree. And, you know, I think I, I because even though I'm an open book, I was suppressing a lot of those feelings or trying to. And I was clearly going through a very difficult time, you know, dealing with my mother's estate and then having this bomb dropped on me to digress just a little bit. So I so I the day when I found out this information, I called one of the youngest of my three siblings that I grew up with. And I, I got my sister on the phone and I said, Hey, are you sitting down? And she's like, yeah. And I said, did you know dad wasn't my biological father? And she got really quiet. Am I allowed to cuss? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to use, I'm going to use a word here. Um, I said, you've got to be shitting me. And she hadn't said anything yet. And she said, well, she said, I've known only for a couple of years, Jeff. She said, when you got on Ancestry.com, mom panicked. And she got Cindy and I, my my sister Teresa and Cindy, she got them together. And um, she explained to them the origin of 
my existence. And uh, the story that she told them was it was a, it was a, just a, a thing that happened. There was drinking involved. It was a thing that happened. And, uh, you know, it wasn't some long drawn out affair or anything like that, but that's how she got pregnant. And she knew his name and she left them with a the name. And that was the day that Carla, you know, said that she had suspicions and, and she knew that I was her half brother was the day that I had called my sister, Teresa, and she confirmed that for me by giving me that same name. Um, so, you know, my sister said, she said, you know, mom swore us to secrecy. She said she would take it to her grave if she could. And my mom made it by two months. She took it to her grave. And she said, we were going to tell you just not, a, you know, like two months after mother passed away, after you were going through the, this grief and everything, you know, we were just going to drop that bomb on you. But we were going to tell you eventually. And I believe that they were going to. Um, despite my mother's wishes, I don't think she ever wanted me to, to know. She she basically said to them that she left the name so that I could connect the dots in case this happened. So I was able to do just that fairly quickly. That's how I found out. At the time I found out my, my father, my biological father had died in 2013. So I never met him. Now moving, moving into moving forward from there, my, uh, so we'll say this is the last part of the story is where my life is now. So my two sisters in Kansas city have been very receptive and sweet to me. They've, they've, they've been very kind. I've been there. I've met them. I've met all their, their children. So these are my nieces and nephews, all very wonderful people. Um, you know, I've, there's a sense of loss that I wasn't able to have them in my life because I relate very well to these people. Um, I, I feel like I have a lot in common with them and there are a lot of parallels and, you know, I don't want to take this too much longer, but there are just a lot of parallels with our lives, um, that are just sort of uncanny. I was in the air force and, and my sister's husband was in the air force. And one of my nephews was an air force pilot and my son was in the air force. I mean, there, and, and my sister was, my sister retired recently, but she was a nurse practitioner and my daughter's a nurse. And there's a lot of things there that, that match up quite a bit. And it's, it's, I, there's a sense of loss that I haven't, you know, they haven't been a part of my life. I mean, I, I love my siblings, all of my siblings dearly. Um, but, I, but I lost that and I lost the opportunity to ever know my biological father. And, you know, that, you know, is, According to my, my sisters, my, you know, from my biological father, um, I got the better end of the deal. Okay. I had a, I had a, I had parents that stayed married. I had a wonderful father who treated me as if I was his own, even though he knew I wasn't his. And, um, I never, there was never a time when I felt less loved because, you know, my dad knew that I wasn't his blood child. And for that, I'm very thankful. 
And, you know, I, I really did get the better end of the deal because I didn't have to grow up in a dysfunctional home with an alcoholic father who cheated on my mom and, you know, so on and so forth. They may have a lot of resentment for me because of that, you know, because they had to deal with all that. And I didn't. And they know I got the better end of the deal as far as that goes. But um, uh, they were pretty much estranged from him after their parents got divorced. Um, and you could probably understand why, because there was, there was a lot of drama. Um, I think after their brother died, um, Billy, who had leukemia, he died. Um, I think he was like 17 when he passed away. And I think that's when things really spiraled out of control. Um, and their mother had, she put up with a lot, you know, in that situation. And she knew that he was cheating on her and, and there were just, there was a lot of drama there. So I, I completely understand how they feel about all that and why they were estranged like they were. So their mom never remarried, but my bio dad did. And he was married to his second wife. For, I want to say like 30 some years. And I've spoken with her. She's a nice lady. Um, they never had any children together, but he, and I've spoken to actually a couple of her children who said that he was a wonderful grandfather to them. So, you know, he had some redeeming qualities. I think he turned out to be a pretty good, you know, a much better man, I will say, as he got older. Um, he died at the age of 80, but I never knew him, right? So I was robbed of that. And I went through a lot of sort of soul searching and emotional distress over things that I had no control over because I couldn't fix them. You know, I couldn't go back and, and there was a sense of loss there that I, you know, I was never, I was never going to get that time back. And it is what it is. You know, even though I got the better end of the deal, I still felt a loss there. So, yeah. yeah. Did your birth father know that you existed? Good question. Apparently he did. Okay. So this, um, this is where, uh, Carla found out, uh, is, and so she, so when he passed away in 2013, my sisters had to go back to Iowa to attend the funeral. And they were also the sole heirs of the family farm. Um, because, our bio dad was an alcoholic and I don't think good with money and all his siblings passed before him. He ended up in inheriting the family farm in a trust. They were a farming family and, and his parents died, I think relatively young as well. And they had a rather large farm and um, uh, they inherited it. They had no interest in owning it. So they sold it. And his second wife, who had no ownership in the property, she, she had to move out and they sold the house and uh, that was it. Um, so when they went back for his funeral, my sister Denise's husband, who is now passed, um, he had a conversation with someone in town who told him that Bill had said that to them, that he had a son in Indiana that he would never meet. Mm. And I'm not sure exactly who that person was, but, um, but that was the rumor. Okay. And that's what prompted 
Why Carla waited from 2013 to 2018 to submit her DNA, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think curiosity just, she had some time on her hands. She's like, ah, just, maybe let's just see. And, you know, confirmed that for her immediately, obviously, when she matched with me. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was, I was that person. Okay. Who, uh, was that son that, that he knew of yeah. that he was never going to meet. And so at some point him and my mother must've had some communication for him to know that. Right. And, you know, of course things go through your mind, you know, did they stay in contact in some way covertly over the years? Did she send him pictures of me? You know, what, you know, how much did he know? You know? Um, and those are questions I'll probably never, you know, they'll never be answered. But, um, but so apparently he did know of my existence and, uh, Either my mom told him, you know, he was not going to be a part of my life or, you know, um, or he didn't, he didn't have the interest to be a part of my life, you know? Um, so, and on that note, um, you know, my parents clearly were trying to protect me and I appreciate the fact that they protected me as a child from that situation of being the quote unquote bastard son and, you know, um, growing up with this father that lived in another state and, you know, just everything surrounding that. But I also know that they were trying to protect themselves and their own reputation. Right. Um, and my dad was fiercely protective over my mother. He loved her dearly. And I don't know what all the circumstances of their separation were or anything. And they certainly didn't have a perfect marriage and they had, they bickered and quibbled like everybody does, but there was no question ever in my mind that my parents loved each other. And um, this was just a thing that happened and my dad forgave her and life went on. And, and on that note also, you know, uh, I found out after speaking with, siblings of my father and my mother that um, eh, it was kind of like an unspoken thing that they pretty much knew I wasn't George's son, but he had prohibited any speaking about it. Okay. And that's the type of man who raised me. He was a wonderful man. And, uh, you know, whether it was uh, protecting me or just protecting everyone involved, that's how it was. So there was never any discussion. There were probably whispers amongst the family, especially as I grew up and, and became taller than everyone else in the family and just looked quite a bit different, you know? Um, but that, that was that, right. They, they protected me from all that drama growing up. Now, you know, uh, At some point when I was a grown man, you know, my contention is really, you couldn't tell me the truth at some point Mm -hmm. in my life. You know, what, what, who, who are you trying to protect at that point? You know, and uh, it's, so I have, there's some resentment there, some feelings that, you know, and it's hard for me to reconcile because these people are dead and I love them dearly. And it's hard to be mad at dead people, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but, but it's a reality. And I do feel some, some resentment about not knowing 
and not having the opportunity to at least have known my biological father and being robbed of that. And, you know, um, it is what it is. And I, you know, it's, it's water under the bridge and I can't change it, but I have, I've gone through counseling and, you know, and tried to reconcile some of these things. And I've, you know, come to the conclusion, you know, you, there's things you can change and there's things you can't. And, you have to move on with life and you have to make the most of the life that you're given and you got to be there for the people who are there for you now and love them and, and, um, and not let the betrayals of your past hold you back from your happiness. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, uh, also on that note, I, you know, I listen to a lot of these stories. I see a lot of the stories on the Facebook group. Um, and I just, you know, I, I I love sharing my story because with people all the time I share my story because I'm not ashamed of it. It's not my fault. And I feel like if I can share this story and it somehow helps somebody, that there's some redemption in it, you know. Um, uh, but I also would just like to say to everybody else out there, and I know everybody's situation is different and, and, and these things are hard and sometimes they're a lot harder than they are, you know, in my situation and they're a lot more complicated, but don't let it define you. Don't let your NPE status define who you are. You know, it's part of your story, but don't, you know, and be there for other people and support them and, and feel for them and, and work through these feelings, but don't let it define who you are. Um, so I, I, I just could, because I just feel like, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a negative thing at the end of the day, right. Uh, getting this surprise and uh, try to pull the blessings out of it. So after connecting with all this new family, I'm going to take you down the timeline to April of 2019. I got another match. My brother Fritz. I have a half brother who lives in Wisconsin who was adopted. We share the same biological father. Fritz is five years older than me. He just turned 60. Fritz was adopted, knew he was adopted his whole life. Never knew who his biological parents were until he connected with me on Ancestry. And now he knows. He knows the story. And uh, he has since, um, on a good note, uh, you know, been able to contact his biological mother. He's still working through trying to build some sort of relationship with her. But uh, uh, there's a little more drama there, I believe. Um, and I don't. he hasn't met his siblings on his maternal side um, either. But he has met his mother. And he does know the other side of, of his story. But, you know, other than that, he he much like Darren grew up in a family that who adopted him and wanted him and loved him. And you know, he has he has that. Um, and I've met Fritz. Fritz is a wonderful man. Um, him, him and his uh, fiance, Lori. Uh, Lori was really the one that kind of pushed him to to find his roots. And they, they're just they're absolutely wonderful people. Uh, they have. Um, one daughter who um, is is a wonderful person. Um, so 
uh, I've been to Wisconsin. I met them. They've been to my house. They've, uh, we've spent time together. It is about as much as it can be, you know, from with the distance, you know, as far as building a relationship, we do talk, uh, at least every couple of months, um, on the phone and kind of stay connected. Fritz has not met my siblings in Kansas city. Um, they're still kind of reeling from discovering me Mm. and then also finding out that there was Fritz who was five years before me. Mm. Okay. So that's two sons that he fathered while married to their mother. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, now here, here's, and okay, I'm going to give you this piece too. I'm jumping the timeline a little bit, but in January of this year, I got another match. Mike. Mike was adopted. Mike lives in Minnesota. Mike grew up in Iowa. Mike is 63 years old. He's a year younger than Carla. Same bio father. So that's three of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mike, I don't know much about yet, and I'm not sure if I will. He's a little leery. Um, he got on Ancestry. I don't know if somebody pushed him to do it or gave it to him as a gift or whatever, but I've reached out to him. Um, I gave him my phone number, my email, and everything, and I'm like, hey, you're my brother. I can tell you everything you want to know is that, you know, that I found out about your biological father. Don't know anything about your mother's side, obviously, but, you know, and he shared that he was adopted. And so that's Mike. I, that's oh, about all I know about Mike. Um, uh, and I'm hoping that Mike will open up and want to have, you know, start some type of a, a deeper conversation and, and, and find out more and, you know, maybe we'll have a relationship. So that's at least three of us. And um, this man was, he was getting around. So <laughs> it's, wow. yeah. it's, it's just, it's, and it, of course, my sister Carla found out about this through ancestry as well. And, you know, and, and it's just a knife in her heart, you know, mm-hmm. because these things were going on while he was married to her mother and her mother passed away. I believe it was last year. Um, and, you know, they were caring for her uh, in in home and she had a brain tumor and severe Alzheimer's and, and, uh, they love their mother dearly and, and, and their dad, he did her wrong. Right. And so, uh, you know, they have every reason to have been estranged uh, for as long as they were. I wish that they could have healed that relationship, but you know, that's, that's, has nothing to do with me. They've been kind to me and they're still having a hard time dealing with the idea of these other, other two as well. Mm-hmm. And, and God knows who else out there, but that's my story as far as my NPE status. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let me. So with regards to Fritz. So in around September of 2021, Fritz took a trip out west camping, decided to swing through the little town in Iowa called Cromwell, where our father was born and raised and 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 died. And um, he went to his gravesite. He was pulling a camper, and when he pulled off the road, a gentleman's 
checked to make sure he was okay. And he said, yes, I'm just going to go see a gravesite. And he was like, really? Who? Of course, he said his name. And it's a one-stop sign town. This gentleman knew everything about him and got into a conversation, you know, about our biological father. And in that conversation, he said, you know, there was a guy back in the 90s who came through town that claimed to be Bill's son. And I think I might know who might have some information about that. And it was the bartender in town. (laughs) So apparently our dad spent a lot of time there. Um, and he liked to talk. Um, that's probably where I get it from. But um, apparently um, there was this this guy named Danny who grew up in Iowa and now lives in Minnesota as well, who is right between my age and Fritz. So he's about Danny's about like 58, maybe, and had been told by his mother that Bill was his dad. So in the early 90s, he was a young 20-something, came through town, confronted Bill. Bill never denied it, but he told his wife, Virginia, his second wife, that that wasn't his son, that he knew who his dad was because he looked just like him. Uh, Danny grew up the only child of a mother who never was married, and all he ever knew was that maybe Bill was his dad, and it was never confirmed. So. We did some sleuthing. We were able to find Danny. We found out Danny was on 23andMe. So I spit in the tube and sent it in to try to confirm for Danny if Bill was his biological father. I found out that he is not our brother. And so Danny's story continues somewhere. Um, I don't know if you'll ever know the answer to that, but um, Danny was also a wonderful man. I had great conversations with him. I wish he was my brother, <laughs> um, you know, and I told him that, uh, but he's not. And when I went on 23andMe, and this is this is the blessing, this is the silver lining in it all, um, <laughs> I... I don't want to get too emotional here, but I found out that I had a daughter that I didn't know about. So um, you click the button and it says find your relatives and it populates the list. And at the top of that list is um, a person that I'm staring at picture and her name, and the year she was born. And I know I'm looking at my daughter, 49.9% DNA shared. And this was in October of 2021. I'm sorry. I, um, yeah, October, yeah, October of 2021. So this was just um, a month or so after we found out about, you know, Danny being our potential brother is when I discovered my daughter, Amanda. So sorry. Amanda lives in Houston and, um, she was born in 1988. Um, I was stationed in the U S air force, um, in England at the time. 
I was 19 years old. I um, had just known my who would be my first wife for a short period of time. We had been dating, but not seriously. And there was a night where I went to the Airmen's Club and there was alcohol involved. And that's how Amanda came about. Her mother was in the Air Force. And, you know, I'm, I'm staring at, you know, 33 years later, a picture of my daughter that I didn't know about. Um, the Air Force took us in different directions, obviously. Um, her mother never came to me, confronted me about this at all. I don't know what the whole story was there. Um, and I may never, but you know, uh, um, she, for whatever reason, did not pursue me as the father of Amanda. So as you can imagine, my jaw dropped to the floor once again. Um, I have a son who is literally a year and a half younger than Amanda, uh, who I raised. And I'm at his house now. But um, so I'm going to read to you really quickly. The this was the message that I sent to her when I after I was able to stand back up and gather my composure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, "Pardon my expression, but holy shit, I'm not sure what you were looking for on here, but you found me." I had absolutely no idea you existed, although I do think I know who your mother is. I am blown away myself. I hope this doesn't come as a bad surprise for you. I have experience with that myself. (laughs) I found out three years ago that my father was not my father just after my mother passed away. I found out through Ancestry.com. My heart is about to beat out of my chest right now. I certainly hope you had a good life, and I'm definitely open to getting to know you if you're interested in that. So the next day, I hadn't gotten a response, and I followed up with Amanda. I wish I knew what you're feeling right now. It breaks my heart to think you're hurting in any way. I have no idea what you were seeking by uploading your DNA, so I can only speculate. I can certainly understand how you would be apprehensive about all this. Understand, I am an open book and a man of my word. I will be glad to tell you anything that you want to know about me and my family history with no expectations of reciprocity. Please understand that I do have some knowledge as to what you might be feeling right now as my paternal discovery sent me reeling at the age of almost 51. Secrets and transgressions from the past can send a person into a spiral of emotional confusion I have been there and I sought counseling. I have done some inventory of my memories now, and I'm pretty certain your mother was, and I'm not going to say her name. I also do remember you being born probably at RAF Lake and Heath Hospital in the United Kingdom. Uh, I was in the United States Air Force Station with your mother. Whatever you have lived or have been told, I, of course, have no idea. All I can tell you is that I am not the kind of man who would have ever shirked responsibility for my paternity had I known you were my child. In case you had questions about the validity of DNA results, what I just told you should put that to rest. As far as I am concerned, you are my daughter, and what what that relationship looks like is all up to you. My phone number is 
you can call or text me when you're ready to simply respond to this message or simply respond to this message. I will be on vacation this week. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, I just said, you know, um, I pray that life has treated you well to this point. And I mean that that with the utmost sincerity, humbly asking for your acceptance. And uh, man, there, I think I sent another <laughs> sort of emotional message. And so she she did respond um, a few days later. And um, she said, thank you for your uh, uh, for your patience with my response. As you might understand, I needed some time to process this whole situation. And I wanted to be thoughtful in my reply. Um, holy shit does seem a, pre- uh, a pretty fitting sentiment to start with. LOL. <laughs> my husband bought me a 23andMe kit a few years ago. I thought it would be helpful to get some health history as I was dealing with some medical issues and we were planning to start a family soon. As it turns out, the health report isn't all that useful and I largely ignored this account after that. I suppose I always knew there was a possibility you could turn up, but I honestly never imagined it would actually happen. She confirmed that this person was her mother and she was born actually in a civilian hospital in England. She said, you know, of course, it was all a shock to her, you know, that just being matched with me because she really wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, She said, um, my mom and dad married when I was three and they both have always been honest with me about your existence, at least in the abstract. I never knew your name or other details, but I also never asked. I never had a big revelation about the identity of my father. I don't ever remember not knowing it was always a matter of fact that I had a biological father who was not present and that my dad came later. That explanation was enough for me. I had a good dad. And so I never had a great longing or curiosity about another one. I don't intend that to be hurtful to you, only to give you my perspective. And I think it's important for you to know that my mom has never disparaged you or villainized you. So I don't carry any anger or resentment, nor do I have any judgments or expectations of you. Up to this point, you have a completely blank slate from where I stand. So it's it goes on, but uh, but I'll leave it there. Uh, She's protective over her family, and and so she wanted to take things with baby steps, and that's what we did. We emailed back and forth, and um, my daughter is – she's an amazing human being. She's she's college-educated. She met her husband in college, Um, Daniel. He's a wonderful man. Um, They they both grew up with pretty normal family, you know, childhoods and and well-adjusted people. Uh, my daughter was president of her high school class. Um, she's a published author. Uh, so, of course, she's very well written and spoken. You know, she's successful beyond, you know, my wildest dreams. I'm, I mean, all my children are successful. Um, I'm just so happy that, it, you know, things went well for her. Um, and we have since developed a relationship. And, you know, we we stay in pretty close contact. Um, my children whom I raised, um, were receptive from the beginning. They were shocked, but they were receptive from the very beginning. And they've been wonderful with Amanda and she with them. That's the happy ending to the story. (laughs) Mm, Wow. (laughs) 
Um, never in a million years would I have ever expected that I was an NPE and uh, uh, that my that I had this daughter out there. Oh my god! I had some tears listening to that. Um, yeah, I, it was all, it, it's all I could do to hold that piece, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when I come to that point of the story, because it really is the redemption in it all, you know, and, and I yeah. hope everyone who goes through this experience has redemption somewhere, you know, like yeah. <laughs> they have some, something good that came from it. Um, this is huge for me. Um, my, uh, my daughter, when I found out about her, was pregnant with my first grandchild. So I gained a, a, a daughter. And then just a few months later, in February of last year, I gained a grandson. <laughs> and uh, I have, I have uh, been to visit them twice. I've met my grandson. We've actually made a few other failed attempts to get together uh, due to illnesses and things this past year. We haven't been able to make that happen, um, but we're going there in March um, to see them. And in May, um, they were, they were actually supposed to come to our house in uh, November for Thanksgiving and due to illnesses couldn't make it. That would have been their first time visiting Indiana, but they're, they're coming to Indiana in May and I'm going to have all my children together at one time. No, for for the first time, and uh, I've since had another grandchild. My son had a baby daughter in December, so they're they're cousins, and they're very close in age. And Amanda has two younger brothers, but they're not married and don't have any children. So, so you know, um, uh, my grandson Rowan has gained a cousin. Uh, and my daughter or my granddaughter, Marin, and um, my youngest child is due in June. No. So, so, you know, they're going to have three siblings in uh, within about a year and a half, uh, you know, and just looking forward to, to having that big family um, and all the blessings that come, you know, from that going forward. That's beautiful, Jeff. I I forgot to ask you this beforehand, but are you someone that is interested in being able to connect with other NPEs? I'd be glad to if, if I could help anybody. Um, yeah. I sometimes get, well, I frequently, all the time actually, get emails about episodes and people sometimes ask to reach out to those that shared and you have, um, you know, a unique story in that you've, you've kind of been on both sides of the, of the fence with the NPE <laughs> revelation. Would you be willing to give out your email address? Would that be the best way? Sure. Or what do you think is the best way to contact you? Um, I, I can, uh, I can give out, I can give my email address. Only, um, only if you're comfortable with it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. I have okay. an email that I don't, uh, use a lot so that, um, allows for some extra traffic there. Um, okay. it's Jeff, J E F F T A Y L O R dot five dot one six dot one five at gmail.com. 
So it's my first and last name, Jeff Taylor, dot five, dot one six, dot one five at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, talk to anybody and answer any questions that I can. Um, uh, I'll just add that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, they want to call it divine intervention. Um, you know, people use the term things happen for a reason, you know, and uh, I, I've always struggled sort of with that term, you know, cause it just, I don't know. I, but, but I really feel like I was led down a path to find my daughter and the sequence of events that took place only could happen if all these things fell into place. Uh, if I'd have never known about my brother Fritz, he would have never gone to Iowa who would have never found out about Danny who led me to Amanda. And, you know, uh, uh, there's no way I would have probably never gotten on any ancestry site had it not been for my lovely wife and her curiosity. Um, and I kid her about it, you know, because it's, it's been some drama, you know, there, there's been a little, there's been some drama, but there's also been some wonderful blessings in it all. And I know not everybody's story turns out as beautiful as mine. I've seen them and it breaks my heart for so many people, especially when they get door slammed in their face um, and phones hung up on them. And, you know, people that just don't want to face the past um, transgressions and secrets. And, you know, you know, my story turned out, beautifully and i just i hope for everyone else that they can find the beauty in it somewhere well jeff i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story today and thank you so much for your time it's absolutely my pleasure lily thank you these stories are here for us to identify with if you are an npe and would like to share your story email npestories at gmail.com you do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.